0: Number two of our series, Greater Reward. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Jordan. For those of you who are visiting with us, whether you're here with us in person or you're tuning in online, thank you so much. Uh, I'm the online pastor here and then also a teaching pastor. And uh, we are in this series called Greater Reward um, where we are looking at this theme that Brad kicked uh, kicked us off with last week, this theme that says, what would it look like for us To live for what we want most versus what we want now. What would it look like for us to sacrifice the temporary pleasures for the eternal reward, the greater reward? And for those of us who believe that Jesus is King, that Jesus is Lord, and that Jesus is the hope of the world, we believe that the greater reward that we're talking about is our eternal heavenly reward uh, through Jesus Christ alone, through salvation, Where if we give up the earthly pleasures, the worldly pleasures, what the world will tell us will satisfy us. If we give up those things for sacrifice, for service, for generosity, for hope, for peace, for Jesus, then we get to spend eternity in heaven. But we have to give up what we want now for what we want most. And I just actually wanted to kick off today's message by encouraging us. You see, here at C3, we've got a lot of things going on. Um, and there's a lot of cool things going on as well. You got to hear um, of Alex and Emma, and they're going to, you know, eventually, um, in a couple of months, go months go down to, to Bloomington and just to chase after God's heart. Uh, this last week, we raised, um, some of the leaders here raised over $2,000 for a family in need to help pay off some hospital bills, which was really cool as well. Um, and then if you've been a part of any of our C3 Sports Saturdays, uh, we have hundreds of kids and family members, and and uh, the, the fields out there are packed with just so much good going on. And uh, there's a few families in particular who are putting in, uh, you know, anywhere from 15 to 30 volunteer hours each week on top of their full-time jobs to pull off C3 Sports Saturdays. And then this morning as I was here and... Uh, we are praying before service, and I look out, and there's, there's 17 to 20 volunteers just in this building who are making sure that we are getting the message of the good news out to everyone in person and here online, and not to include any of the volunteers out there either on the other building with the children's ministry, the 20 to 40 volunteers that are over there helping take care of our kids and uh, train them up in the ways of the Lord as well. In um, this idea of the greater war, there's so much good happening. And then there's even individual steps that you all are taking and that we might not even know about. Whether you are uh, just a, a little toddler all the way up to um, uh, uh, generation X or our boomer generation or the elderlies, whatever it might be, whatever age group you're part of, you're taking individual next steps. And that's awesome. Um, and so encouraging to see that we don't even necessarily get to uh, hear about all the time. Um, and as I was thinking about all of these things and understanding that while there's a lot of good things happening, there's also a lot of areas that I know we're struggling with as a church. Uh, we're struggling financially with just um, giving, going down, COVID, um, playing a role in that. We're struggling with volunteers, even though I listed all of the volunteers. This, is, this, is, this was one of our most populated Sunday for volunteers. Uh, usually most Sundays we're struggling. Um, been asked multiple times, when is coffee coming back? And uh, our response is, when we have the volunteers, we just don't have the people that are willing to serve on a Sunday morning in some of those areas. Um, and so there are some great things happening here at the church, and there's also some discouraging things happening. And so that's why we thought this was a perfect time for us to say, hey, what if we take a step back and look at this series called Greater Reward, where we encourage our community to give up what we want now for what we want most. Because we believe that this life is not all about you. It's not all about me. It's about the person next to you. It's about serving. It's about giving. It's about sacrificing for that greater reward. Living for what we want most versus what we want now. And God placed this truth on my heart as I was praying and processing over the message this past week is that, um, you know, I, I have a unique position where I get to come up here and teach Um, and and be a pastor for so many people, but God plays this truth on my heart, is that every single one of you is a pastor as well. Over the community, the flock, the friendships, the family members that God has placed in your life. Each and every single one of you has a purpose, has an influence that God has placed you with in your workplace, in the store, And so much more. People that I will never have an opportunity to influence. Will never have an opportunity to meet at your schools. That God has placed you in a specific situation with the command to go out and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. To share the good news of this greater reward for people who may never open a Bible. You might be the only Bible that the people that you are connected with ever read. So, how are you living to ensure that the message of Jesus carries on to the next person? And that's what we're looking at for this series. And so, the title of the message today for week number two is four words Why Can't I Change? Why Can't I Change? It's probably a question you've actually asked at some point in your life, no matter your age. Maybe it's an addiction you're struggling with. Maybe it's finances that you're dealing with. Maybe you are always exhausted, always tired, and you're wondering why you can't feel energized again. Maybe you're battling with mental health issues of anxiety and depression, and you're wondering if you're ever going to feel peace again. Maybe you've been at the same job for the longest time, and you want something different, but nothing seems to be opening up for you, and you're wondering if you're always going to feel this way. Why can't I change? And this is going to be a very practical message today. We're going to be walking through Ephesians chapter 6, Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to be giving you three reasons why we struggle to change. You see, especially in our Western culture where we are living on demand, It's very difficult for us to be thinking about an eternal process, an eternal process, a long-term reward when we are so used to on-demand pleasure. Where we can literally pull out our phone and have a Bible verse. Or check the latest news updates. Or have the answers that we need in the moment. It's difficult for us to process about this eternal reward that awaits us, but it is a long-term process when we are so used to on-demand culture. And so we're going to be walking through three reasons why I believe that we can't change, why we feel stuck, why we can't seem to move when the enemy is suffocating us. And I want you to know there's hope, no matter how you're feeling today. Maybe you even feel prideful. Maybe you feel like life's going pretty good. You're feeling comfortable. And I want to call you out of that as well, because God wants something greater for you. And you have an opportunity to influence people that nobody else has an opportunity to do. And so if you will turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, as you're doing that, I'm going to share the first reason why I believe we can't change. We can't change because we are unequipped to face the fight. We can't change whatever area of our life that we're looking to pursue because we are unequipped to face the fight. And Paul actually addresses this exact topic in Ephesians chapter 6 when walking through the full armor of God. And if you've grown up in church, then you've probably heard about the full armor of God and putting it on every single day. Well, you see, we're going to be walking through these eight to nine verses because they're very overlooked because we are so familiar with them. But they can be so powerful when we break down and understand that this is a fight. And each and every single day, we need to put on the full armor. It can't just be a situation where, oh, I'm struggling, now I need to go back to the word of God. Or I'm struggling, now I need to go into prayer. No, you need to be equipped each and every single day. Or else you won't be able to change. You might have temporary pleasure, You might be satisfied with peace in the moment, but if you aren't equipping the full armor every single day, you won't be able to change permanently. And this is an idea that Paul addresses in Ephesians chapter 6. He's actually writing this letter to the church in Ephesus while he's imprisoned in Rome. Isn't that crazy? It's one of the four letters that he writes while in prison. And rather than thinking and focusing on himself, he's still so focused on the greater reward for other people to experience outside of the four walls that he's encased in. And here's what he writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. And that phrase, put on, is you? It's a Greek word that literally means to sink into the full armor of God. And so Paul is saying to sink into, and I want you to picture uh, like it's the winter time and you are getting under the covers when it's cold outside and all bundled up and stuff in your covers and stuff. You're literally sinking into your covers, sinking into bed, where you're enclosing your full body with warmth. And so Paul is writing you saying, sink into the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He doesn't say sink into the full armor of God while you're under the devil's schemes, while you're experiencing the suffering. That's important, but that's just going to provide temporary peace. He says you need to sink into the full armor of God so that when you experience the full wrath of the devil, you are prepared. So many of us, when our on-demand culture, while we are struggling, we turn to God. We need to equip ourselves every single day, so that we are prepared for the battle. You don't join the fight and then say, I forgot my gun. It's too late at that point. You've got to be prepared each and every single day. Verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Too many of us are focused on social media battles. Too many of us are focused on political battles. Too many of us are focused on religious battles when we are supposed to, as the body of Christ, be focused on spiritual battles. There's a greater force out there. Do you post more about your political views than your spiritual ones? then you're more interested in the greater reward here on earth than on heaven. They're important. You can post if you'd like. But what would it look like for us to be posters on social media and to be servants in life for this greater reward? Because our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the person sitting next to you. It's not against the political party that votes different than you. It is seriously against the spiritual forces that we don't even fully comprehend and understand there are, that are literally at war for your heart each and every single day. Verse 14, or sorry, verse 13. So therefore, put on, sink into the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, again, when the evil comes, not after the evil comes, be prepared when the evil comes. You may be able to stand your ground. And after you have everything, done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That's another word that we don't truly understand, peace. Peace is not the absence of suffering, but it's the calmness in the storm. It's the eye of the storm. It's literally being so prepared for whatever God has in store for you that even though chaos is running rampant around you, that you are feeling the sense of peace knowing that God is in control. The storm is still powerful. The enemy is still strong. But God is greater. Verse 15. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace, in addition to all of this, Take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then this, I believe, is the most important part of this passage. Verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all of the Lord's people. Paul ends his letter by talking about prayer. You see, you can put on the full armor of God, and if you aren't praying each and every single day, you miss the point. And I'm not talking about just like side prayers, convenient prayers. While those have a time and a place where you might be on your way to work, and that's your prayer time, or you might be in some turmoil, and you're like, oh, I need to pray, those are still important. But I'm talking about the prayers that we see Jesus pray and the prayers that we see Jesus do, where he literally says to go into a private room, close your door, and to spend intimate time alone with God each and every day. And you see, this prayer time is, I believe, very foreign to us, most of us. It was to me until about a week ago, a week ago. Anyone seen that video? Yeah, that came to my mind. Holy Spirit right there. And so you got this uh, situation where my my mama, your next steps pastor, Kim, has been pushing our church to really dive deeper into our prayer life. And I didn't fully understand it until this year. And then really this week, what that looked like. Because I thought, you know what, I pray. I pray five minutes a day. I pray 10 minutes a day. I pray in the moment. I'm praying. I'm talking with God. But then I truly started to understand the power of prayer. And it hit me as I was um, thinking this uh, week. I was driving home on Thursday. and Do we have any internal processors in here? Internal processors, okay, a couple. Everyone else is external processors. Bless you. You drive us internal processors crazy, and we drive you crazy. Um, But uh, I was driving home from work this week, and I was internally processing the message for Sunday. And God placed on my heart the passage in Matthew chapter 26 where Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, he brings his disciples there, and he's praying on his knees, crying out to God, and then after an hour of that prayer, he goes to find his disciples sleeping. How many of us are sleeping disciples during prayer time? Nobody willing to raise their hand with me. Oh, we got a couple in the front way. Okay. row. Okay. The reason I haven't emphasized prayer so much is because I am a, a sleeping disciple. I fall asleep all the time during my prayer time. It's like that joke if you're like in school and you've got your head down and you're sleeping in the middle of class. Your teacher comes up and tells you to wake up. You say, amen. You know, it's like that joke. Well, that's like with Jesus, where Jesus taps the answer, amen. Just, I was just praying, Jesus. But Jesus goes and he finds his disciples who literally have fallen asleep. And I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. You asked him to pray for an hour. I'm gonna fall asleep too. Then he goes back. He prays again. Comes back, finds them falling asleep again. Goes back. And the third time falling fall asleep, he's like, fine, okay, fine. If you're gonna fall asleep, at least protect me against the, the enemy that's coming. You see, Scholars believe that Jesus in that moment had either been praying for an hour, uh, the minimum, we know that for a fact, in Matthew 26, all the way up to three hours. And this was a very, very common practice for Jews, Israelites, and for Jesus in his ministry. And that terrified me. place placed out my heart, he said, Jordan, you need to spend an hour of prayer each and every single day. It's like, what? <laughs> I don't even know if I can think of a, you know, enough things to pray about. I said, okay, I'll try it. And so on Thursday morning, I tried it, or Friday morning, I tried it, Saturday, and then um, this weekend today and stuff. And I've got to be completely upfront honest. It has been the most, probably one of the most impactful things I've ever done in my spiritual walk is to close my bedroom door, to start my day, and spend an hour of prayer time. I don't even have that many things to pray about. But like literally there's sometimes just like 15 minutes of me just being silent with God And here's why I wanted to share this. Not because I believe that you should spend an hour of prayer time with God each day. Honestly, I think that's too little. I think I'm just starting of how much prayer time God wants. Again, Jesus probably spent, and most Israelites probably spent up to three to four hours a day praying because they understood the greater reward. What I am challenging you, though, is pick a number that terrifies you. An hour terrified me. Pick a number that terrifies you. And each and every day, not just on your way to work, Not on your lunch break, but go into your home, spend intimate time alone with God, closing the door, and let the Holy Spirit talk with you. And if you've got kids at home, you're like, well, Jordan, you have no idea what it's like with kids. You're right. I In eight weeks, I will. And that hour might be more of a sleeping hour, you know? We'll find out. Um, But after you put them to bed, spend that intimate time with God. Say, God, I've got 10 minutes. I'm going to invest in this 10 minutes because, again, we can't change unless we equip ourselves with the full armor of God and unless we are praying every single day. Reason number two, we can't change because we are more interested in receiving than acting, receiving than serving, receiving than giving. You can fill in the blank with that last word, but here's what I mean. You see, in Acts chapter 2, Peter has just launched the church. And he's talking to these new Christians about their shortcomings and about how they've killed Jesus. I'm going to read the passage here in a second. But it got me thinking is a lot of times when we're focused on areas that we want to change, um, are there any personality perfectionists here in the room with me today? Okay, we got a few. All right. First service, um, we didn't have very many, but we've got a few here in second service. I'm a personality perfectionist. So if I know there's an area in my life that I'm struggling with, I will dwell on it. And that causes a lot of my anxiety. But it actually switched my mindset this past week. What does it look like, rather than me to focus on my personality to benefit myself, what would it look like for me to focus on my personality to benefit others? Rather than what does it mean for me to receive things? Well, yes, I struggle with pride. So if I'm a prideful person, rather than focusing on humility, how that will impact myself, focusing on humility, how that will impact the kingdom of God. And so when you start switching that mindset if you can't change because you are focused on self-rewards versus eternal rewards for the kingdom of God, it's revolutionary. And this is what Acts chapter 2 says. You see, Peter is preaching to this crowd. He's trying to convince them about the goodness of God. And this is how it goes. In verse 36, he says this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do with this? They felt so cut to the heart, and their first response is, what do we need to do? Like, how, how can we make this right? How can we serve? How can we do better? And this is what Peter replies with, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Here's the hashtag ad moment. We have a baptism coming up, and we believe it is so important for each and every single Christ follower to be baptized. We believe that there's something powerful, something supernatural, something spiritual about a baptism for us to literally say, God, I'm taking my faith public. I'm declaring to the rest of the world that you are the greater reward. Verse 39. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Later on in Acts chapter two, those 3,000 Christ followers went home, sold their houses, sold all their possessions and they went to serve because they were so cut at the heart, so convicted and they needed a change. They felt the change and then they did something about it for others. We can't change because we are more satisfied with self-pleasure than eternal pleasure. Eternal pleasure requires us to serve. Reason number three, the last one for today. And honestly, if you get number one right, if you equip yourself each and every day before the battle, and if you start serving or start acting, if you don't do this third one, it won't even matter. The third thing is this. We can't change what we're not willing to confront. Or we can't fix what we're not willing to face. Or we can't battle what we don't believe is an issue. I can go on and on. We can't defeat what we're not devoted to. God was just literally, bang, bang, this week, all of these different things. But the reality is this. If you don't admit that there's an issue and something that you need to change, you're never going to experience the greater reward of peace, of hope, of Jesus Christ. You have to be willing to face the fight, to fix what is wrong in your life. And honestly, it becomes exposed in our times of prayer. That's why it's so important for us. Um, Friday when I woke up and I started the prayer time, after 15 minutes, I was like, God, I still just, I'm just not feeling it, you know? Have you ever said that? Like you started praying, you're just like, I'm just not feeling it today. Like as if, you know, like as a guy, like after 15 minutes, like, oh, yeah, Jordan, you're just starting. The next 45 minutes were incredible. I can't imagine what the second hour would have been like. Or the third hour, some of us give up too often in the in the 15 minutes, and we're not willing to face the fight. I want to end with a story today. I want to share an old proverb about this concept of why we can't change um, because we're not willing to fix, we're we're not willing to face um, the fight, we're not willing to fix it, we're not willing to address it. It's this old proverb um, that I heard years ago that you may be familiar with, um, but it's of this this teenage boy who his parents gifted him with a snake teenage boys named Derek, and uh, he was gifted with a snake um, that they said would grow pretty large, and so this snake became best friends with this boy, and he would take him on walks outside, and he would feed him a vegan diet because it's 2021, and, you know, we don't do any of those mouse diets, and so he would do all these things with these snakes, and they were best friends. They were accountability partners. They were, um, you know, just pushing each other to take next steps, and all this fun stuff with this snake, Okay. Well, after um, a couple months and uh, a couple uh, uh, like inches had grown on the snake, the snake started to sleep with the, the, the kid. And he would curl up just on his chest, and they would fall asleep together. And it was just a great time. Maybe you do that with your dog. or well, did this with a snake. It's a little weird, but, you know, just go with it. And so after about a year or two, the snake grew to be seven feet long. And the boy, Derek, started to recognize, realize that the snake, rather than curling up on his chest, and that's a big snake at that point, uh, he started to spread himself out from head to toe. And this was very abnormal for for this snake to do. And so Derek started to get worried, and he took the snake to the vet. And uh, the vet said, um, hey, you see, the snake is actually stretching himself out to see If he is long and big enough to eat you, to devour you, you need to go home and kill your snake. And I want to preface this for Ryan, one of our tech volunteers who owns a snake at home. Uh, Don't literally go home and kill your snake. This is, if you didn't get it, this is a figurative spiritual thing, okay, at this point. Um, Please keep your snake alive. But your spiritual snake, go home and kill. You see, there are so many snakes that we're dealing with. And if you allow it to be your pet, to be your comfort, to be in your life, it will devour you. It will take away the greater reward. And it's different for each and every person, but I truly believe that each and, uh, each and every one of us has many snakes that we need to kill. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do. First, equip yourself each and every day to fight the battle. Put on the full armor of God and spend time in real genuine prayers. Second, focus more on sharing, acting, serving, giving, sacrificing, than receiving. And third, be willing to face what you need to fix and kill that darn snake. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you're so good. You are the slayer of snakes. You are the kingdom builder. And ultimately, you are the greater reward. Why can't we change? Because we are more focused on ourselves. And so, Lord, we give this message to you. We give this worship to you. And we ask that each and every single one of us would go home and face what we need to fix. Equip full armor of God and live a life of serving. In your name I pray. Amen.